Welcome to the Transom Podcast, a monthly roundup of the new features on the transom.org website, providing mathematical puzzles, games, learning activities, and the ever-popular mathematics lesson starter of the day. Here's your host, John Tranter. Hello, welcome to episode 105 of the Transom Podcast. You're very welcome, and what better way to start than with the puzzle of the month? Now, when I use the word average in this puzzle, I mean mean, if you get my meaning. Okay, here we go. The average age of the four calamity cousins is 20. The average age of the two youngest cousins is 14. The average age of the two cousins, who each have both younger and older cousins, is 18. The second youngest is half the age of the oldest. What is the range of their ages? You will probably need to rewind this podcast to hear that again. Or if you want to see it written down, go and look at the newsletter, transom.org slash newsletter, the newsletter for this month, August 2023, and you'll see that puzzle written down and a cute little picture of the four Calamity Cousins. If you get a solution, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And um, I'll provide the answer in next month's podcast. A new level has been added to the multi-step exercises. These are exercises containing questions requiring students to decide the operations and methods needed to arrive at their solutions. So it's very popular, this particular set of exercises. So this new level, hopefully, will um, stretch the, uh, the higher achieving pupils. The, uh, the questions are set in real-world contexts, so they do quite closely match a natu- national curriculum objective. Four new mathematical simulations, or, or are they manipulatives, were added to the Transom website last month. They're all from an organization called, do you pronounce it FET? P-H-E-T? FET? Or PET? PET? FET? Anyway, it stands for Physics Educational Technology, and they're really very good. Unlike the previous activities I've included from this organization, uh, these four are for the older student. So the first one is called Center and Variability, and it makes sense of... Um, the reasonableness of the mean and the median of a set of data by looking at the distance footballs have been kicked. So very practical, very visual, nice to look at, great for your interactive whiteboard, I guess. Trig tour. Here you can see a dynamic unit circle linked to the, the standard trig graph helping students get a feel for trig functions for negative angles and angles greater than 90. So you see it on both the unit circle and the trig graph, something that uh, I will definitely use. I'll find that very useful. Calculus grapher is quite a novel idea. Well, it's not a novel idea, but uh, the the visual aid is novel. It shows the graph of a function, and underneath it shows the graph of the derivative of that function. And then underneath that, the second derivative. And what you can do is, with the mouse or with your finger, you can change the shape of the graph of the function and see how that affects the derivatives. Very useful. The fourth one is called graphing quadratics. 
and uh, you can describe how changing the coefficients of a quadratic function changes the shape of the graph and then actually do it to see if you were right. Very useful. All I'll put them in the Shine and Write collection. The Shine and Write, by the way, if I've never mentioned it before, where did I come up with that name, Shine and Write? Well, when I worked in Birmingham for the Curriculum Support Service, we had one of the first data pro projectors in the city, and it was called a point-and-shoot. And I thought that was a daft name, but it did a quite accurately describe what the machine did. Um, so I played around with those words and then varied them for to become shine and write because that was the idea of these visual aids. You'd shine them onto a whiteboard. They weren't interactive in those days. And then you would actually write over them um, to interact with them. So that's how shine and write came to be. You can find Transum Mathematics at www.transum.org. So where are we? Uh, oh, I see. Yes, we have got... About 50% of Transom users are on holiday at the moment, if they're in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm guessing. And I thought it'd be novel to put four activities together, not for students, but for these teachers on holiday, to enhance their leisure time. So whether they're basking in the comfort of their own backyard or on a long-haul flight somewhere, these activities are just for that particular person, that teacher, could be you, sitting back now, listening to this podcast. So, given your relaxed state, here are four interesting things for you to dabble with. First one's called Equatoro. Well, that's easily described as my mathematical version of that very popular Wordle game that became popular about 12 months ago. The second one, Ultimate Noughts and Crosses, well, you know noughts and crosses can be very boring if you know the strategy, or tic-tac-toe if you call it, uh, give it that name. But if you've never tried ultimate noughts and crosses, hmm, very interesting. Have a look at that. Remember, the links of all the things that I talk about here are in this month's newsletter, which is at transom.org slash newsletter. So that gives you the link. Otherwise, you can just use the search function on the website to find these activities. Third idea is the row call game. Lots of small numbers in rows and columns, but there's, uh, you need to understand the properties of those numbers in order to develop a good strategy for winning this game. Have a go, and my hope is that you might find a class that you teach that it's particularly relevant for. And the final one is boxed in numbers. We used to call it little boxes when I was uh, a lot younger. Um, a grid of dots, and you joined up pairs of dots with vertical or horizontal lines, and if you completed a box or a square, you claimed that. Well, what I've done is I've put numbers, fractions, or decimals inside those boxes so that when you claim a box, you actually win that value. So there's a bit of more strategy involved in winning this game but it's the sort of thing you can do on your sun lounger. Now, if you are amongst those 50% of Transom users who are on holiday, and if you are brave enough to send your students a mid-holiday email, there's a link in the newsletter to my school holiday activities. Lots and lots and lots of mathematical activities that students might find fun to do in the school holiday. 
And when you're thinking about this, don't think of your most reluctant student who will just ignore your email. Think of the little quiet student who would perhaps not admit it in school, but would really relish the opportunity to do a few of these activities. Go for it. Send that email. At the beginning of last month, I went to the cinema to see the latest blockbuster called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I can happily report that the word mathematics was mentioned in the film more times than all of the other school subjects put together. Hooray for us maths teachers! Now for the two weeks in the middle of the month, I was on holiday by the sea. I put some holiday snaps in the newsletter, by the way. And I spent a lot of time watching the waves and the changing tides. I tried to work out whether every seventh wave was bigger. And of course, it wasn't. But then I suddenly remembered something I had learned in the Sea Scouts, an application of fractions in real life. The twelfths rule, or rule of twelfths, is a rough estimation method used to calculate the height of the tide at a specific time during a tide cycle. According to this rule, the tidal range is divided into 12 parts, with the water level rising or falling in a predictable manner. The progression of the tide is divided into equal time intervals, with the first hour covering one-twelfth of the tidal range, the second hour covering an additional two-twelfths, the third hour covering three-twelfths, more totaling six-twelfths or half of the total distance. The pattern is then reversed with three more twelfths in the fourth hour, followed by two-twelfths in the fifth hour, and then one-twelfth in the last hour. So, if the tide is three-quarters of the way up the beach, how long will it be till high tide? See? Fractions on the beach. Am I typical of maths teachers thinking of these things while on holiday? Ah, not sure. Anyway, I then use my outstretched hand to work out the time while taking photographs of the beautiful red sky. The hand rule suggests that each hand width from the bottom of the palm to the top of the extended fingers, above the horizon, corresponds to approximately an hour until sunset. I've included that one just so that I have the excuse in the newsletter to put my beautiful sunset photos. Anyway, it's a little bit more maths. If you really want to get into that one, I can see a bit of trigonometry, similar triangles, something like that going on with people with outstretched hands and the sun gently sinking towards the horizon. Could be interesting. Now my monthly experiment with ChatGPT, my favourite artificial intelligence tool. I typed in the following. I always end my monthly email newsletter to my subscribers with a witty postscript. Can you make a suggestion as to what my next newsletter's postscript will be, given the, the last five were... What do you need to calculate the distance around a circle of sheep? Answers shepherd's pie. Always wear glasses to maths lessons. They help with division. <laughs> I begin this month absolutely exhausted as I've just completed a 31-day march. That was the postscript for April. If I got a pound for every time I failed a maths exam, I'd have about £9.30 now. <laughs> Calendars. Their days are numbered. Okay, so those were my last five postscripts. Can this artificial intelligence 
work out what my next one will be. So there was a dramatic pause, and then it came back to me with... Remember, folks, even though it's summertime, don't forget to carry the one when calculating how many ice cream cones you can eat. What? <sighs> I think my job is safe. That's what you call extrapolating on a small data set. Finally, the answer to last month's puzzle, which was if x and y are positive integers and x plus xy plus y is equal to 90, what is the sum of x and y? Well, the answer is 18. I've written, uh, I've written out my working in the newsletter if you want to see the method that I used to get the answer 18. The first five correct answers came in from Chris Smith, Martin Wright, Mandy Fox, Will Ransom, and Pauline Johnson. Thank you very much for getting in touch with your answers. Much appreciate that. The puzzle was adapted from an old Math Olympiad question. That's almost all from me, apart from to say, why is a dog with a bad foot like adding six and seven? Because he puts down three and carries one. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Transom podcast. You can find the website at www.transom.org, where you're welcome to use all of the activities absolutely free, or jump in with both feet and become a Transom subscriber. 